Asian Pop Nation on Sin 90.7. This is Asian Pop Nation with your EP, Jesse, of course. And it is just the girls tonight with Zenya, Lee, Alicia, Alishpa, Tracy, and Tharuki. We were just playing some banging tracks for you guys, starting off with Just For Fun by Kugi, featuring Jackie Y. And before that, you guys heard Unforgiven by Le Seraphim. Uh, I like to say that today's show will be very much uh, recommendation heavy, as we bring you some of our latest recommendations from manga and webcomics to the latest TV series announcements. We will also be sharing some of our thoughts about the looks that were delivered at Met Gala recently, and in honour of Xenia's birthday, we will be doing a segment dedicated specifically to her. Now, some of our more avid listeners may have heard our interview with Fum Biferit a couple of weeks ago. Well, we went to his concert here in Melbourne, and boy, do we have some thoughts to share. This is Asian Pop Nation here on Sin. You guys just heard Realize by Silica Joel, which is from their new EP, Machine Boy. And before that, you guys heard Ready to Fight by Woods, which is from their new EP, Uli. Now, even more before that, you guys heard Come Into My Head by Extraordinary Heroes, which is a new JYP band, kind of like Day 6. Now, you know us at Asian Pop Nation always love to watch and review and talk about the most recent TV series with Asian actors or about Asian people, all of that jazz. And so we were very intrigued when two trailers of two different TV series uh, came out around the same time. And we are talking about American-born Chinese and Exo Kitty. And I'm going to throw back to the rest of the team to talk to you guys more about that. In case you haven't gotten over the EEAAO craze, we are pretty much getting most of the main cast back together for this upcoming TV series, American-born Chinese. I think maybe if anyone has been keeping up with... Asian American media would have heard of it by now. It follows the story of um, Jin Wang, a high schooler who struggles with his home and school life, you know, classic American Asian experience. And he meets Wei Chen, who's the new Taiwanese exchange student at a school. But a sequence of events actually lead him to become involved in this battle between gods of Chinese mythology which include Michelle Yeoh, mother. Um, (laughs) And it is actually based on a 2006 graphic novel of the same name, created by Jean Lun Wang. And it ties kind of these three different stories. One is like an adaptation of the Monkey King tale. um, And then the other two is about the Asian American immigrant experience. So it'll be interesting to see how it gets adapted. I haven't read the graphic novel. I doubt anyone else here has. But yeah, what are people's thoughts from the trailer? I think last year we did have like a little peek into this like series way back when it was like Disney doing their convention and whatnot. And they had like a little sneak peek preview from that. I was a little bit apprehensive from like that little snippet, but seeing this like trailer as a whole, I... I don't know. I'm like, I'm hopeful for it. I feel like specifically if you're like an Asian American teen, like uh, that's like currently growing up and stuff, I feel like something like this would resonate a lot. For me, it's like when I watch this trailer, it kind of reminds me of another Disney movie that I was so attached to when I was young. And the one I'm talking about is Wendy Wu Homecoming Warrior. I don't know if any of y'all know that. What is this? Is this like a Disney Channel movie? Yes, it is a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah, it stars Brenda Song, the icon. I love her. Literally, probably one of the few like Asian American actresses that defined my childhood because she was in everything that I watched. She is also like an Asian American uh in like a in American high school I think in her case she's like trying to run for like student body president she she's she has like some establishment already but then there is another person that comes like out of nowhere and he's like I I'll be honest I've not watched this movie in so long but I know it is kind of the same 
thing with this one where there's like, oh, it's a new, like, quote unquote, transfer student type of thing. And they are not from, they're not from here. Da, 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 da. And it's like the clash between the two, plus a lot of, um, a, a lot of kung fu fighting um, <laughs> and all that stuff. Again, which is why I'm hoping this American born Chinese. Um, considering it is, I'm pretty sure it is directed um, by, it's directed by, the guy name is Daniel something something, and I know he's worked, he's directed Shang-Chi as well. What 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 do you think, Xenia? Are you, are you particularly looking forward to this series, or do you have another one in your, in your radar? <laughs> I do have another one, perhaps for the more romantic at heart. I mean, <gasps> oh, I, I guess we, a lot of us here can relate to the sort of like Asian, insert other country experience here, Asian-Australian, Asian-American experience. But, you know, I'm a romantic, so I'm really excited for Exo Kitty. Uh, which is coming out soon, I think the 18th of May. Oh and God. for those who don't really follow To All the Boys I Loved Before, which was the film trilogy slash book trilogy um, that was quite popular, I believe, um, for all of the YA romantics out there. And that book series was my high school life um oh my god it follows the younger sister of the Covey sisters in that book trilogy kitty who um you know after seeing her sister's success with love um in the original trilogy now decides to move halfway across the world to korea and to try and connect with her long distance boyfriend and i put emphasis and quotations and underline it um but it, she finds out that the relationship is actually a bit more complicated than what, that she thought it was while she was being his pen pal over in America. And so it seems like it's going to be a coming of age story mixed with the romance. But I've seen like three different guys in this series. So I'm not really sure who she's planning to end up with. So we'll see. You know, Alicia, what are your thoughts? Do you think you'll watch it? Um, are you eager? I probably will, but I'm like, I, I have like a wary eye about it because in my opinion, I feel like to all the boys I love, the first movie, it's yeah. the peak and everything else, it kind of derails a bit. So I'm a bit nervous about this, like this as a series, how that will go. Plus again, it is a series. This will be the first time we're not getting like uh, to all the boys I love, like standalone movie situation it is a full-fledged series so i'm kind of like what are, they, what are they plotting what's the plan here and hmm i think in the trailer or somewhere i read it mentions that like oh a part of her going to korea and stuff into that specific school is like it's the same school that her mother that passed away went to so i think there's gonna be a lot of like little touching moments involving that as well and I mean it's been something I'm very curious about throughout the whole film stuff because we've always seen like uh I was gonna say Lana Condor but I'm like that's not the character's name that's the actress name um Lana Condor's character and and Kitty um they've always been primarily raised by their dad and stuff so I'll be like yes give me the family dynamics <laughs> yeah but... Yeah, because it's interesting. It's, you know, most of the time if it's like someone from America coming to their homeland, it's normally a story about dealing with extended family and whether you really fit in. Um, and that story is probably still going to carry on here, but it's different because, you know, she doesn't really have any family. It seems like her mother was her only connection there and she's gone. So it'll be yeah. an interesting way of seeing how she deals with trying to find that connection I suppose um along with whatever ha is happening in her love life um <laughs> yeah which is the real reason why I'm there but um I I don't know I'm kind of over love triangles I know I know you love, you love the good like who love... they're gonna choose the push and pull and yeah this is well, the one so. thing dividing you and me both like romance <laughs> enthusiasts <laughs> and you hate love triangles 
I love the the drama of it. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. Maybe it'll be more straightforward. I don't mind as long as it's executed well. Um, but you know, Jenny Han, she does a pretty, pretty nice job. Uh, I'm not sure if she's had much say in the writing. I think she was a producer or something on mm. this show. So. Um, I'm assuming she was the one who came up with the story, um, but we'll we'll see how they go executing it. But did anyone have final remarks on these two upcoming TV shows? Um, um, I just think it's interesting how both of them are about sort of bridging the gap between, uh, I guess, in the Expo Journey, it's like two different countries. And then either, what is it? Asian-born, American-born, Chinese. This one, it's like literally two different worlds. Um, which is like a nice, very obvious way of exploring the, I don't know, the experience of sort of belonging to two countries at once. Uh, I feel like, uh, both of them, because they're both primarily American productions run the risk of going into like dicey, uh, like exoticizing territory, which yeah. I, hope, I really oh. hope doesn't happen. Mainly with Exo Kitty, is that sort of your Mainly concern? Mainly with Exo Kitty because it does read like a like a like a self-insert fanfic kind of. <laughs> <laughs> and I really hope it's not like, oh my god, they get off the plane and I don't know. It's uh, yeah. It'll I, I be hope... interesting, yeah, to see whether yeah. it's like a K drama from an American perspective. Like, no, oh no, it's gonna look like. Uh, if an American made a K drama. Oh, why would you say that? I hope they treat it tactfully, but I think it's kind of inevitable that there will be some of that. And I feel like it will get clowned on the Korean side if they ever decide to watch this movie. Uh, so that might be interesting to look at. But I genuinely do hope that both of these are good. Same. Agree. <laughs> Is it too much to ask? Sometimes it feels like it can be. Yeah, just, um, one, just one good cause. <laughs> but no, I, I'm, I'm keen. They're both coming out in like May, like the last couple of weeks of May. So when they both come out, I, for one, am excited to, you know, check out, see what it's about. If you're excited, do let us know as well. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. And yeah, once it comes out, hit us up with your thoughts too. We'd love to hear them. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. You guys just heard Change Has Come by Moju featuring Nairi. And before that, you guys heard Overstimulated by Kat and Kat Mel. And even more before that, you guys heard Welcome to My World by Aespa featuring Navis. Now, some of our um, avid listeners will definitely remember the Fum Viferit interview from a couple of weeks ago. And as I mentioned at the start of the show tonight, we did go to his concert in Melbourne. And by we, I mean Ethan, Tracy, Lee, Alicia, and of course myself. Um, the five of us went there. It was, it was fun. It was, it was, it was vibes. But of course, I'll leave it to the rest of the team to, um, get into a bit more depth about that. So last week, the Asian Pop Nation team, we all had a little outing where we went to, drumroll please, (laughs) (laughs) the Pumbiferit concert. After we had done the interview, they actually invited us to go to the concert. So the people who went were me, Leisha, Tracy, Jesse, and Ethan. How was it, guys? I, I was just gonna ask before the concert if like any one of us had any sort of like expectations. I don't know. Well, the main context in which I'd heard of Pum before this was like online music nerd spaces, the type of crowd which like reads Pitchfork <gasps> and like that sort of crowd, and they tend to be a specific type of person. Um, so I was expecting this crowd to be more of like your typical indie rock crowd, which is like not particularly um, ethnically diverse, let's say. So I was pleasantly surprised when we turned the corner into 170 Russell and it was just like a sea of Asian faces. Only Asians. It was was like 97% Asian. I was like, oh, I'm not going to stick out like a sore thumb here. These are our people. But yeah, the crowds, the vibes were actually very good in the past. Um, I know Lee and Leisha, you've been to concerts where the crowd has been mostly dead, but this crowd was quite lively. They did all the proper fan interaction parts. 
and they like sang the first line of every song super loudly so I think they were all fans they really liked the old songs they really liked the new songs and that was really really good to hear you could tell that like everyone there was like a really big Pum fan and you know they weren't just there to like take pictures of the event and post on their socials but they were actually there because they like really have a big crush on him (laughs) (laughs) and his music Um, Um, what did you guys think about the crowd I agree with exactly with what Tracy said. One thing that I really, really liked a lot was the fact that, as Tracy mentioned, everyone in the crowd knew his older songs as well as his like newer songs. Anytime he would mention like, oh, do you guys mind if I play these songs from the new album? Everyone's like, yeah. And then if he starts playing a song that is from like his Manchild album, which if I check back, that album has been out for a while. But everyone was like, everyone was eating it up and it was very nice to see I think not exclusive to concerts involving Asian artists but just concerts in general you do get like a mixed bag of like some people only knowing their biggest hits or knowing like newer stuff some people only knowing the older stuff but this one it, it genuinely felt like collectively everyone was like big fans and that's just like the ideal like crowd I want to be in so I definitely Really, really loved the whole crowd. And obviously, Pum himself, I feel like he killed it in the stage. He was great. He was so, he was so nice. I agree. Um, I guess, like, hearing everything live is so different, obviously. Like, and in the interview, he had said, like, oh, Lady Papaya live will change your life. And it really did. It was so good. <laughs> Because it's like fully instrumental as well, except for his two lines, but good stuff. And like for Loverboy, obviously everyone knew the lyrics. He would just step away from the mic and just play his guitar and the whole crowd would just sing back to him. That was amazing. I really like that. His interactions with like the fans and the crowd, as well as his interactions with like the rest of the band, peak. Great. Yeah, I will definitely be checking out his music now. The whole band is just such a tight, tight unit. Like... They're so good. I think he has a, a four-piece band. So there's like him, a bassist, a guitarist, and a guy who's like on keys and I think like occasionally flute. Mm. And they are such a solid, solid unit. You can tell that they've been touring like together for a while and they like just give off such like really just sweet, really positive vibes. And they're all extremely, extremely talented um, I think they bassist, I think his name was Pipo. He um literally like Pum had to rest his voice halfway through the concert. And Pipo literally just had like a, a beatboxing interlude. It was and, so and good. He is such a good beatboxer, you guys. <laughs> it, it was like, whoa, 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 where, where's this coming from? It was like a whole set list, but like in beatbox form. And it was as Jesse said. <laughs> yes. And also their um, keyboardist, I noticed that he did the high sort of female backing vocals yes. um, during Wings. And I yes. was like, wow. He- oh my God. Speaking that he of Wings. wings. Oh. Yes. For- yes. yes. Uh, to me, that is like the big shocker in the set list was including that. Because I feel like with concerts, when you're going into a concert and you know it's like you know there's no special guests or anything, you go into the mindset of like, okay, they're not gonna sing any of like the collaboration tracks they've done. But my man Poom went to the mic and was like, now we're gonna be playing the song that some of you guys might know collaborated with my good friend Suyong. And everyone's like, oh, the crowd went wild, including all of us. If you if you're curious about this, please just look up any video of Poom performing Wings with Hong Soyun in Korea and it's adorable because the ones where Poom doesn't have a guitar he doesn't know what to do with his hands it's a, it's wonderful it's a thing of beauty I just want to say um, but that aside he did have his guitar and he killed it and uh, all the instrumentalists were incredibly good at their instruments and they all killed it I want to say that just listen to everything life felt so different as Lee said uh listening to the album you're like oh this is like chill music with like funk influence but in a live setting the funk influence really comes to the center and Mm -hmm. it's just incredible grooves the whole night and I I don't know how to describe it but like everything just sounded just earth-shatteringly amazing Um, especially the sort of last refrain of Healing House just felt crazy live It, it just sounds very full and very just funky in a way that is obviously still present on the record, but 
is way more visceral life, I would say. And they're also jamming. They have, they're doing little solos. They're doing like little improvisation bits. It's, it's amazing. Go see Pum if you're, if he's touring at you. I think he's touring at New Zealand next. Yes. New Zealand is next. And if any of y'all are, I don't know, planning a trip to Thailand, that's his last stop as well. But we were the last in Australia specifically. So. <laughs> that list i saw it on the instagram story it's like that piece of paper where is that from what's the story behind it if anyone hasn't seen our instagram story um there was like a piece of paper that you were lifting i don't know everyone was gathered around it like it was the holy grail like what is this (laughs) basically when the concert was like coming to an end and all this stuff you know usually an artist they kind of like they start like throwing stuff to the crowd and stuff to grab one of it was the actual like set list written down. He gave it to this one girl that was like in the front. And at the very end of the concert, bless her heart, she was like anybody that was like near her vicinity, she will show them so that people could take photos of the set list. It was very funny because the whole time she's like, I'm so sorry. My hands are shaking so much because she just could not believe it still. But bless her soul. It was so sweet. <laughs> Damn, I guess it just shows you how nice the crowd was for this concert. <laughs> We're going to play a poem song after this segment. What poem songs do you want it to be? Damn, let me think. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, after hearing it live, probably Wings. <gasps> That's good. Or <laughs> Lady Papaya. Oh, I want to play Lady Papaya as well. Mm. I have three from the album that I want to play. Lady Papaya, Loving and Letting Go, and yes. Jai, Please. Yes. Yes. And you played amazing. all three. Amazing picks. Amazing. Also, <laughs> Loving and Letting Go had an acapella opening, and that was just like soul ascending. That was like... No, that, that's amazing. the definition of like my soul leaving my body and just shooting up into the sky it was so unexpected so good but that would be my pick as well but i also after the concert i really enjoyed listening to softly spoken just been a while since i heard that until Mm -hmm. he played it at the concert and i've been just listening to that one a lot you are listening to asian pop nation where you guys just heard maybe i'm fine by tire tire which is from their album cinnamon daydream now, before that, you guys heard two tracks by Fum Viferit, uh, including Loving and Letting Go and Lady Papaya. Now, coming up, we I'm pretty sure a lot of us and a lot of you guys know that there are some of us that are avid manga readers slash anime watchers, and some of us are just manga readers. So, coming up, we're going to let the manga and web comic readers shine. Um, by picking some of their most recent recommendations that they would recommend to all of you guys tuning in today. So, listeners, you may have noticed that in the past couple of weeks, or precisely last week, we have been talking a lot about anime, TV shows, and maybe also a bit of manga a couple of weeks ago as well. And now we have come to the realization that there is so many good web comics and mangas out there that we just had to talk about it some more. So in today's segment, um, we shall be talking more about some of the web comics and mangas that we would recommend. Uh, Lee, what are some that you have come across? Um, so one that I wanted to mention is called Orange, which is a manga. I think it is has been turned into an anime last or like recently it's basically about this girl who receives like a letter in her mail from herself 10 years in the future and she's basically in the letter it's like oh these are all my regrets please save this guy (laughs) yeah it's really good it made me cry (laughs) oh did you watch the anime i didn't i just read it um because i read it back in high school um before the anime was out but yeah yeah, I remember, like, I think the anime itself came out in, like, 2016. Mm, mm. And I remember, I think it was, like, I think this show in particular was, like, one of the collection of sad anime slash mangas that I went through in a certain period. Some of the others w- of which included things like Death Parade and Anahana and all that kind of sad stuff. But, yeah, it was pretty memorable because not a lot of animes at that time kind of portrayed the same themes and it mm. yeah 
so it was memorable in that sense and then it also yeah i agree the ending was the ending was sad um, so Jesse, did you have any mangas or web comics you wanted to highlight as well? There is one called Into the Light once again, and it is a web comic. Um, the art style is really beautiful. Uh, I really love the art style. But basically, there is this princess that, in her past life, she was framed for trying to kill her younger sister, who was kind of worshipped and like beloved by everyone, and then no one in her family believed her innocence. And she was kind of killed that way. And I think she was like 14 years old when it happened, which is very traumatic. But then afterwards, she is reincarnated and reborn into another family of royals. And this family is very loving, very nice. So she kind of starts, well, she doesn't start, but she really appreciates her new family. And she really loves her new family and all that kind of stuff. But then things start happening. And she kind of starts to unravel the mysteries around what happened in her past life and how that is kind of affecting what's going on right now there wasn't like a big time difference between her death and like her reincarnation so it's still in the same timeline like everyone from her past life is still alive and that kind of thing so yeah it kind of just goes it's like so wholesome but at the same time there's so many mysteries behind it and that's what makes it really good I have read this one and I agree. The art style is amazing. And yeah, like after she gets reincarnated, she's like depressed for the first like 10 years. Oh, actually like five, six, seven years of her life. And she's like, why God, why did you reincarnate me? Like, I just wanted to like go away from this world. Like I didn't want to be human again because of all like that trauma that she experienced. And then, yeah that that's like that stuff made me cry because her new family is like trying to make her feel loved and like as a kid she just wouldn't cry because she's just like depressed but yeah very good recommendation jesse yeah i have another one okay so basically it starts off with this character whose name i'm not gonna try pronouncing because i will screw it up but anyway, she is someone from like modern world Korea, I think. And she has the ability to see ghosts. And then she died and then she was reincarnated in like a different world. She was reincarnated as like Rosa Teton, who was who's the princess that can also see ghosts. And in the the time era and like the the circumstances she is in, in that world, like if you were found to have magic or like could see ghosts or something, you would probably be like captured, experimented on, um, burnt at the stake, I don't know. But yeah, after she's reincarnated, she I, I actually forgot how the rest of it goes, but she wants to protect the peace of the family she has now basically. And then she goes into disguise to help this prince with his goal. And that is how the rest of the story goes. But yeah, it's more of like a historical, almost political in a sense. It's like a mystery. The art style is also beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm not up to date. I really should be, but I'm not up to date. I have also read this one, but I'm oh, not up to date. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Um, yeah, very political, as you said. Um, I guess that's sort of like at the start, they don't focus on romance at all which made me go hmm but the art style is very nice it's it's like this the kind of story that if you lose your focus and you're not like mm, lots of text you'll lose the story which is what <laughs> happened to me but yeah it's, it's still a good one regardless and i would probably go back to it if i had the motivation to um take everything in but yeah does anyone else have some uh, recommendations I would like to recommend the webcomic that i've been reading recently it's called windbreaker and I really liked it because the story revolves around this group of people who like cycling and it shows cycling as a very extreme sports and how they do different kind of um, competitions around it. But this mainly story revolves around a character called Jay, who's a very hardworking and great at study kind of a student and how his uncle was a world's best cyclist, but then he was involved into a scandal. And then that's why he really is passionate about cycling. His characters and everything are very nice. And it also involves a bit of romance. And I really liked it. Has anybody else? Hey, <laughs> I've also read this. <laughs> Um, I think I have as well, but I'm not yeah. up to date for a while. Me too. <laughs> Who has any thoughts about Vinny? I love him. He looks so <laughs> cool with the red hairs and red eyes. I just love it. But now that 
I have a feeling that his character is going to change completely, and so does his like appearance. Now he kind of looks scary, but I haven't read it, so I don't know. I kind of wish he goes back to being good. He's he's a he's a bit of softy kind of a character. I love when he cares with other characters, but even the the comic has um very good humor in it. It's kind of funny, especially I feel like the funniest character is probably Dom. Yeah. But it's really cute. Is that the guy with the the bandaid on <laughs> yeah. his mustache? Yeah, <laughs> the bandaid mustache. Uh, before we go, I kind of want to mention this last one, oh, mainly because it's a bit of a nostalgic thing for me. Um, so back in the good old days of uh early uh web comics, there was this web comic called Black Haze, which I remember probably being one of my first web comics, and then I think it was discontinued. It ended like right in the middle of one of the arcs. It was the most frustrating thing ever. But anyway. That same artist slash author, they made a new webcomic called Charlotte Has Five Disciples. Oh, which is basically about Charlotte, who is an arc mage that once saved the world, but then she's like, she kind of has lived for too long and she's like, nah, never mind, I'm gonna use my magic to die. Um, but instead of dying, she reverses the clock and her body turns back into that of a child. And she starts a second life as Arya Lucen. She had a regret in her past life, which was she did not find love. So in this new life, she's like, I am going to find love. And that's that's the journey. There's a lot of random stuff that happens. I'm not up to date with this one either. But I thought I'd just give it a special mention, mainly because of the sadness I had for Black Haze when it ended. And this art style is very much reminiscent of Black Haze. But uh, if uh, any of you guys have any web comics or mangas that you like or would like to recommend to us, um, please let us know on Asian Pop Nation on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have fun reading. Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation, and you guys just heard a couple of Japanese tracks, starting off with Season by Eerie, and before that you guys heard 18 by Imase, and even more before that you guys heard Jam by Mizuki Ohira. Now, coming up, we have a very, very special segment dedicated to a very, very special member of ours. Um, you may remember her maybe a couple of years ago when she was EP, and now that a new year has passed, um, Xenia is turning a year older. And in celebration of that, we will be having a bit of a... I mean, I... It's not exactly a talk session, but Xenia will be talking about some of the things that she would recommend. Uh, mainly mangas, but maybe some other things thrown in there as well. It's come to this time of year um, where I get a year older. And I think this year it'll be two years until I sin die, which is the term we use at sin for... Um, when we are no longer young enough to be part of a youth media organization. So I thought maybe we can try and lighten up the mood a bit um, (laughs) as I get closer to to (laughs) 210 with some romance because that's what gives me joy. Anyway, um, I decided to choose some that I think if you've been listening long enough as been mentioned in last year's Valentine's Day show. And I thought I might choose a couple that are maybe lesser known. Um, By lesser known, I mean perhaps not as widely reviewed on, say, my anime list. Um, And I try to pick a few that don't have love triangles. Sorry, Alicia. Um, (laughs) And have communication because I have a communication kink. It's like it's so hard to find good romance with good communication people if you just talk to each other um I thought I might start with one that perhaps some might have heard of some might have not this is a really chaotic segment but I am chaotic so hang in there uh this is wake up sleeping beauty uh it's about this high school boy who because of his part-time job at his dad's housekeeping agency he starts like working at this mansion on a hill in his neighborhood and on this in this mansion there's like a little outhouse where the d- daughter of the family who um is quite mysterious because of her supernatural illness lives in isolation so he agrees with the family to help take care of her 
um, but finds that, you know, his feelings start to grow um, along the way. So the question is, can he help her manage this condition or will he start to, I guess, fall in love with her? Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. He does. Um, and I can't give away too much about the supernatural illness because I think that's part of the fun. Uh, it's pretty short. It's only 26 chapters. So if you do want to read it, I swear it's really not much of your time. If you hate it, you won't regret it afterwards, but I, I'm pretty sure you'll like it. I thought it's the best kind of story with the that wraps up all of the loose ends quite nicely. The supporting cast all have really nice arcs. The male protagonist, he's not like some, he's not some misunderstood high school boy. He's not like a really popular high school boy. He's not a delinquent. He's just this like family loving guy who is working extra jobs to help his support his family and his mom who is in a coma actually. Um, so he likes to cook. He likes to clean. He's sort of taking on the surrogate mother role. And he absolutely adores his little sister and will do anything for her. Um, and it's also a, quite a um, loving journey for the female protagonist who is trying to find herself. And I put this in quotation marks because it has a bit of a double meaning once you read the story. Um, but yeah, I haven't found anything that really ties it up, a uh, story that ties up its romance this nicely before. I, the minute I read it, I bought the entire series and <laughs> I now have it on my bookshelf. So I cannot recommend it enough. So yes, please, please do read it. Um, this other one, Emma, is a bit of an oldie. It's about a working class maid and a wealthy aristocrat that who fall in love with each other and they have to navigate, you know, the classic, you know, she's lower class, she doesn't have much wealth, you know, it's not tradition um, in 20th century England. And I thought it was interesting in the sense that Emma is a story set in Victorian England, not really that common for manga to be set in this kind of time frame, especially not set in a historical way. So the research is great. It's absolutely beautiful. If anyone knows Kaoru Mori, the manga artist, she's really good at having such detailed backgrounds and her characters are quite simple in design, but very emotive. She doesn't use much dialogue. Um, supporting cast also amazing. I think I also, I'm a sucker for really good supporting cast stories. Um, and it just has a bit more of a nuanced story that's more than just, you know, like these two people fall in love and they kind of like bash and beat their way through societal expectations and be like, yeah, mom and dad, we're going to be together. Screw you. Um, it's a bit more nuanced than that. They find a way to be together despite all of those um, barriers. And yeah, it's another one of those. It's good communication, a bit more mature. I feel like both of the manga I've just recommended are a bit more, a um, bit more than just your simple shoujo. But the last one, Jesse, I believe you read this <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> so good. It's. I want to leave the explanation to you, but it's so good. <laughs> it is. It's Hanatsu Akuma, which means I think flower and devil, and literally, it's about a demon who has moved to the human world to find like a peaceful life, but then is interrupted because this um, crying baby girl is left on his sidewalk um, on his doorstep. Um, and he calls, they call her Hana, which means flower in Japanese. Um, and she raises her and as she grows up, she also starts to grow on him. And it's a question of whether he can kind of maintain this cold facade around her any longer. Um, it's a, the first manga I ever read back in 2015 so it's very close to my heart but it's very classic shoujo so you've got like you know them dealing with jealousy from rivals and you know the usual fantasy elements um you know the transformation cliche literally because there are times where Hana the girl becomes older and then the main character gets confused whether he romantically likes her it gets like a bit into shady territory when it comes to like is he technically her parent or her lover um you know it's it but the thing is is that as you read on it doesn't really matter <laughs> really doesn't matter it's like a, it's a classic um I think it's just a well done cliche shoujo and if you just like 
accept the fact that maybe he might have feelings for the person he raised, even though he's like hundreds of years old. <laughs> you can get through it and it's an enjoyable ride. Just switch off that part of your brain with the age difference. We talked about this before. <laughs> Sometimes it works in the case for Suzume. Let's just, let's just accept that. Yeah, yeah, I can't believe you're an apologist for Dude, this role. Suzume, he spent most of his time as a chair. In this one, he's 100 years old, you know. Like, yeah, I have no clue how to justify it. Just read it and maybe you know, I mean, it'll all be... romances with those, like, hundreds of year-old of year immortal beings are, like... Technically, they're children. They're babies in their lifetime. Technically, it's kind of predatory, but they're also about people in fantastical immortal beings. So, yeah, take Twilight for an example. We all love Twilight, right? And... <laughs> Yeah, I might, <laughs> we love I, falling in love with immortal beings. Yes. Woo. Anyway, <laughs> Hanasokuma, if you're feeling more of like a classic shoujo, Emma and Ohio Ibrahime or Wake Up Sleeping Beauty, if you're feeling a bit more like don't want a problem, just want good shoujo, good romance, would recommend. But that's everything. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, if thank you, you Zenya. Thanks for, for, for thanking me. Yeah, for being here and turning another age and being part of APN still and not sin dead and <laughs> giving all these great recommendations. Thank you. If there's if there's anyone out there who also loves romance, please please tell me about some more because I'm I'm tired of being a broken record and reading out the same, <laughs> recommending the same ones over and over again. But until the rest of the world reads them, I will continue to vouch this is my life goal. Anyway, peace out, y'all. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday. You are tuned in right here at Asian Pop Nation on Sin. Well, you guys just heard Graces by Young Jack featuring Lambert. And before that, you guys heard Sports by Yune Pinku. And even more before that, you guys heard Drink by Durden featuring Yonyon. Now, you guys may have seen the news that the Met Gala was recently held and seen all the photos of all the celebrities and all the models and everyone just being there in the most crazy outfits and so us here at Asian Pop Nation thought it would be a good idea to run down some of the Asian um, celebrities and attendees that were there and their outfits and review them of sorts and give our thoughts about it. Guys I am about to info dump so much and expose a deep-rooted love of mine that you all, including my team, including all your listeners, are going to have to strap in because we are going, I don't want to say fully in-depth because, spoiler alert, I am not an actual fashion critic. I am a 20-something-year-old who is in sin. <laughs> so I come from someone who's just, I, I just love the internet culture and the celebrity culture when it comes to this specific event. The event that I'm talking about is the 2023 Met Gala. Oh my God. So basically this happened last Tuesday at the time of this recording, but for me, it is fresh in my brain because it happened yesterday. And if you kind of, I don't know, out of the loop in terms of what like the Met Gala is, it's kind of like a very, very prestigious, very big fashion event. Dare I say probably the biggest fashion event that occurs annually. It has different themes for each year that get curated by Miss Anna Wintour herself. And ultimately, I think the main, like, I guess, purpose is for it to be like a fundraising gala for the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And it's like a one night only gala. You see all like your favorite celebrity models, athletes, like whoever and anyone who gets a special invite to the Met Gala and they have to like dress according to what the theme is. And this year, the theme that we have is Paul Langerfield, just the person's name itself. And if you're kind of listening, kind of being like, who, what, huh? 
totally makes sense. I think some of the previous themes in the past couple of years, like it's not a specific person's name. So you kind of get like a gist based on the title alone, like what the looks are going to be. But this is just a name. And it's specifically a name of the German fashion designer Karl Lagerfeld. And he is known in like the fashion industry to have one of the longest lasting careers in the industry, 65 years to be exact. And obviously, I think if you delve a little bit into the fashion world, you would know that he is best known for being the creative director of Chanel from 1983 until his death in 2019. He's also been creative director for Fendi and also his own label, uh, which is named Karl Lagerfeld as well. And even though, again, his passing was back in 2019, they wanted to do like a tribute by day, I mean, Anna Wintour wanted to do a tribute to, um, I guess, his legacy and like the fashion industry and stuff. But for our episode here on APN, I thought as a fun little moment and plus for the rest of the team members to give your best impression of being a fashion critic, we are going to look at some of the fashion, which is specifically from some Asian stars that walked on the Met Gala carpet. And I want to start with probably the one that has the most amount of eyes on her. It is Miss Jenny from Blackpink. I have all the photos here for our team to look at. But again, if you listener, maybe you can search it out. You can see the dress and follow us on this little journey. But let's start out with Jenny, who she is wearing specifically a vintage Chanel piece. This is the dress. And what 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 do y'all think about it? Very classy. <laughs> It's cute though. I to be fair, a lot of the um clothes that everyone wore has that sort of black tie, you know, black and white style to it. I'm guessing that's um what Karl Lagerfeld wore. But yeah, I like the interesting take on it and it's definitely a, a more cutie vibe. I dig it. Ooh. I will say, Zenia, you're probably one of the few people who um has this very very mindset and I love and appreciate What's wrong you with for it? that. <laughs> I think okay this does not reflect my this does not reflect like my own opinion about it I mean parts of it kind of do but I think with Jenny's outfit one she was kind of like the main talk of the town when this Met Gala was happening because it's her Met Gala debut basically her first time ever attending um fellow member Rose attended last year um but Jenny is coming in with Chanel so I think everyone came into the mindset of like, oh, they would go a little bit above and beyond. But again, I was not going to lie, uh, not surprised because they've not had a good streak. And for the one theme that kind of revolves around them primarily, um, <laughs> they did not deliver. But let's like go down the list. I think the two others that I've entered, I, I guess they're like people who are predominantly known as like singers and stuff. And Tracy, correct me if I pronounced this wrong. Tai Xu Kun. Yes, thank you, Tracy. And then I was also going to mention that along the lines, Jackson Wang himself was also at the Met Gala. He has like a custom suit by Louis Vuitton specifically, but I kind of lumped these two in like, I guess, talking about them together because it ties into like with Met Gala and stuff like that. I feel like men's fashion as opposed to women's fashion during this season, the the difference is staggering. <laughs> that I feel like with Kuhn's one specifically yes it is it is kind of like black suit white shirt type of combo he has like a fan that has Chinese characters in it and the jacket and stuff very like uh bedazzled <laughs> so it definitely you're like okay it's not like the others and then in Jackson's case great that is custom that's cool uh, his outfit is so interesting to me there's like two vibes which are sort of meshing here so he's like sunglasses and his like leather gloves are like assassin action star. And then his like actual like suit jacket is like he's going to go to the city and see a marching band. My camera <laughs> And his so hair. Those are the two vibes. His hair is just throwing me off so much. It's just, it looks very cartoonish. I'll just say I that. I mean, that's totally the vibe he's going for. You don't wear those fun like sunglasses and say like you don't want to look like a cartoon villain. Oh, okay. The actress acting category. There's actually like quite a lot of actors here, but Song 
Kay Koi. Yes, from I think she's most known for being in the K drama The Glory. Um, and then Mother Michelle, Michelle Yo, uh, Stephanie Shu also being there, and Kihu Kwan, which I not sure about Stephanie Shu specifically, but I know for Kihu Kwan, this was his first time in the Met Gala. Um, as well again for Aliba as well it was her first time too as we go down to like the model side I think this is where you can see the obvious jump for supermodels I feel like their outfits are like leagues ahead it is insane the ones that I put down here specifically Louis Wen, Sora Choi as well as Devin Aoki which if you don't know who she is she is basically she is such an influential like supermodel in early 2000s era. If you're somebody who watches the Fast and Furious series, you would definitely know her best from being in those films. Gorgeous, gorgeous woman. And she has also been considered one of Carl Lagerfeld's like muses way back in like the early 2000s. But before we wrap up this little like Met Gala thing, I just wanted to divert a little bit. Essentially, during the Met Gala, three different celebrities rocked up to the event dressed up as cats in a way because they went for the interpretation of Karl Lagerfeld's cat. And the one I, the ones I'm talking about is Doja Cats, Jared Leto's, and Little Nas X. I have the photos up here for everyone to see them together. Which, which cat would you pick? <laughs> Um, I like Little Nas X for the extraness, but I'm not really sure that was a cat the first time I saw it. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, that seems like Little Nas X. Cool. Yeah, I could work with that. Um, but to be honest, yeah, I think he'd be the one I go with because I find it, I'm getting flashbacks to cats um, with Doja Cat in the her musical. little, <laughs> in her um, get up. Yeah. So listeners, let us know your thoughts about all, like any sort of outfits that kind of stuck out to you during this year's Met Gala. And let us know through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Asian Pop Nation. And just let out, let out your, let out your inner fashion critic, you know? <laughs> Welcome back to Asian Pop Nation. This is your EP, Jesse here. And I am back to kind of round off the show for tonight. And yes, it has unfortunately come to the end of our show. Um, tears, sorrows, sorrows, prayers. Uh, yeah. Um, you guys just heard "Born" by Nat Vesa, who is a Melbourne-based artist. And before that, you guys heard Olivia Rodrigo slash Lewis Hamilton, quotation marks by Jeff by Local the Neighbor. It is a very long name. Um, yeah. Uh, but if it, if any of you guys have been listening from last year, you will also have remembered that we interviewed Local The Neighbor last year. So go check that one out um, if you guys are interested. And yeah, that has been... That's basically the end of our show, guys. Um, we went through a lot of random things today, from manga and webcomic recommendations to the recent TV series... Um, we also had a very, very special birthday segment, which is the first one of this year, and you guys can definitely look forward to more that'll be coming soon enough. Um, we also talked about the Met Gala and the looks that were delivered on the red carpet there. Um, there's always some interesting looks to be talked about. Uh, some are controversial, some are much-beloved. Um, it's a mixed bag, really. Uh, and we also have reviewed our uh, attendance at the Fun Bifrit concert in Melbourne, and I say the general consensus was it was great, it was a great show, it was a great concert. Um, but yeah, that's about it for this week. Um, I hope to see you guys in our next show next week. Um, I know I can't actually see you guys, but the, the sentiment is there, the sentiment is there.